You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, author of Working Like Dogs, and my co-host is my service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, which is working dogs and working animals. And today we have a special guest, um, Jenny Exley. And Jenny is a dear friend of mine and Whistle's. And she is an experienced puppy raiser for Canine Companions for Independence. And Jenny also works at Craig Hospital in Inglewood, Colorado. And Craig is one of the premier rehab hospitals in the country, which is where Whistle and I go on a regular basis. So not only is Jenny dear to our heart because she's a puppy raiser, but also because she's a part of the Craig family. So we're excited to have her today, and we're going to take a quick break um, to hear from some of our sponsors, but we'll be right back with Jenny Exley. So please come back and join us right after these messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume Super Long Lasting Sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. Pawfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. Pets can be a wonderful addition to your life because they're a member of the family. Keeping them healthy and happy is important. Pet Life Radio presents The Pet Doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian Dr. Bernadine Cruz. Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor, on demand every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs at Pet Life Radio. And I'd like to welcome our guest today, Jenny Exley. So good morning, Jenny, and welcome to Working Like Dogs. Thanks, Marcia. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're so thrilled that you can be with us and talk to us today about your experience as a puppy raiser. I'm a good experience with the puppy raising, so I'm, I'm excited to talk with you about that today. Yeah, so how long have you been a puppy raiser, Jenny? Uh, I have been puppy raising since March of 2005. I am currently raising my fourth puppy along with my co-raiser, my daughter, Brooke. Wow. Well, I've had the pleasure of meeting some of your amazing puppies. So tell us, how did you actually become a puppy raiser? Actually, it was my daughter's idea, and she wanted to raise service dogs for a long time. And as a mother, I was very busy, and I kept on saying to her, when you get older you and you can take care of the dog yourself, you can do it. Well, so finally, when she was a senior in high school, I thought she was kind of ready, and so we uh, did an application for Canine Companions for Independence and got approved to be a puppy raiser. Started with our first dog, Peggy, um, in March of 2005, and it has been a tremendous experience for both of us since then, and, and, and also, we've also now involved my husband, Bob, as part of the raising program as well. So tell us about that application process. What was that like? What did you have to do for that? Yeah, the application process was very simple. Actually, we had to do a paper application, and we just called the CCI 1-800 number, and they sent us the application. We completed it. Um, They request that you have no other puppies in your household younger than 12 months of age when you're you're becoming a puppy raiser, and we sent that in. Then we were followed up with a phone interview by the puppy program manager at the Regional Southwest facility in Oceanside, California. And then finally, we had a visit by two current puppy raisers to our household to just do a general orientation for us and look at our house and to make sure it was acceptable for a puppy. So it's almost kind of like uh, an adoption process for a human. You had three different screenings. Cool. And how long did that whole process take? It took us about four or five months before we received our first dog after we initially applied. So it wasn't too long, and it was long enough long enough for us to visit a puppy training class here in town and really know what we were getting ourselves into before we decided to finally commit to being a puppy raiser. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, so, okay, so tell us about when your first puppy arrived. Did they fly the dog in? Did it come in a in a vehicle? How did that happen? Well, they transport puppies all around the United States from Santa Rosa, California, which is their national headquarters. And our first puppy arrived um, via a what they call a flight angel. And it used to be uh, when America West was still flying and their employees volunteered their time to pick up these puppies and fly them to the puppy raisers. The other ways we have gotten our dogs is, and actually we're getting another dog tomorrow, which is kind of exciting. Um, He is going to be shipped to us tomorrow in cargo. We we are picking him up at the airport tomorrow at 11 o'clock, and he will be the fifth puppy that we have raised. And um, his first name is Exley because they've named a dog after me, which is very cool. I was very honored by that. That is so awesome. That's just another perk of being a puppy raiser, right? 
That's right. That's right. And I, I just feel very honored that they did that. And I, it was, I was very shocked, um, but pleasantly surprised. <laughs> well, okay. So when a puppy arrives, when that special cargo arrives, what do you, what's the next step? What do you do for the next few weeks when you've got this little furry ball with you? Well, the puppies, when they arrive, are um, pretty much they're eight weeks to nine weeks old, and we get them, and of course, we have to transition them from the breeder caretaker's home, which is a person that actually volunteers their time to have a breeder dog and, and whelp the litter and take care of them the first eight weeks of their lives. Then the puppy raisers get them, and we have the dogs for the next year and a half, but the first initial weeks is basically getting your puppy, trying to get them to sleep through the night in their kennel and to to um, familiarize themselves with their new home and to just kind of get to know the other dogs in in our house. We have two pet dogs that they will be able to interact with and play with. So the first couple weeks is almost like having a new baby at home where you're trying to to work with no sleep and and feed them three times a day and sometimes in the middle of the night if they're really hungry. (laughs) So it's kind of exciting the first few weeks. Wow, it does sound like having a new baby. Wow, that that is exciting. So then after you get them through the first few weeks, then what do you do? How do you start training them and teaching them the different things that they need to know? Okay, well, we start training them right away. Um, the first thing we do is we use a, a product called the Gentle Leader or a Halty, and it, it goes, it's a, it almost looks like a muzzle. People think it's a muzzle, but it's not because the puppies can still open their mouths. But it's a training tool that CCI uses, and it's, it, it gives a good, if the puppy's not doing something well, like leash walking well, you can just give them a slight correction and they know where they're supposed to be going. But we just um, basically start with training them to sit, and we start right away. We have a contract trainer here in Denver from CCI and we attend classes two times a month with other puppies of the same age and older. We have three different classes. We have a kindergarten class for the first um, puppies that are about up to eight weeks to six months old. And then they have a basic class for six months old to a year. And then finally an advanced class after that. And all along we are training them different commands. And by the time the puppy raisers are done with these dogs, uh, they are supposed to be introduced and hopefully know 31 commands before they go back to the training facility for their further advanced training. Wow, 31. That's a lot for a a young little girl or guy. (laughs) So what are some of those 31 commands, Jenny? Um, The 31 commands are basic commands such as sit, stay, wait. They also have a command to go to the bathroom. Uh, They have a command to fetch um, a ball or an object. They are trained to shake with both hands because, or both paws, I should say, because that's the building block for turning off a light switch. They actually go up on the wall and 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 um, use their paws to turn off a light switch. So all of the basic commands that we teach them are actually building commands that the advanced trainers will build on later and and make them into working commands so they can really assist somebody like pushing an elevator button and opening and closing doors. That is so awesome. So what is it? Everybody always asks me, then I have to ask you, what is the command for them to go to the bathroom? That command is the word hurry, H-U-R-R-Y. And I have a problem with that <laughs> command because a lot, of the, a lot of the puppies will be lagging behind me and I'll say, hurry up. And I'm thinking, oh, no, they're inside. Don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's been a hard, hard transition for me to say, hurry when they're outside and not say yeah. it when they're inside because 
when they really know the command, if you say that word, they're supposed to do it. <laughs> right. Well, out of all those 31 commands, what do you think is the hardest to teach your new puppies? You know, with my experience with, all, with the four dogs I've had, it seems like there's a stumbling block to a different command with each dog. Um, the current puppy I'm raising had a, a hard time with stand, and we're still working on that. Um, the first puppy I, I raised um, had a hard time with roll, which is a command where the puppy actually rolls on their back so that somebody in a wheelchair, if they think they might have a, the puppy has a rash or something going on, a cut, they can actually ask the dog to roll so they can see their underside. Um, and the, the third puppy I raised had a really, really hard time with shake. But he fi- they finally all get the commands, and you're really proud of them when they do. It's kind of like a light bulb goes off on their head. And, and after they get a command, they just, they just never forget it. It's, it's very amazing to me. Wow, that is so cool. And it is, you're right, it is such a beautiful process to see them when they finally, when that does, the light bulb does go off, they're like, oh, I get it. It's so cool. And it's just so wonderful because of all the people that it can potentially help as a result of them getting it. (laughs) Right. Wow. So I have to ask you, Jenny, when you started as a puppy raiser, did you have any experience working with dogs and as a dog trainer? I had a little bit of experience because I used to show dogs in obedience, but I did that for a very short time because I did it right before I had children and then my children took over. So I um, I went through some dog obedience classes with my first golden retriever I had. But people that that are raising puppies really don't need to have experience. They just need to have a loving heart and want to be able to do this because it is all volunteer. And the, the puppy raisers are responsible for all of the uh, bills for the puppies such as your veterinarian bills and the food costs uh, for the puppy and anything along the way that the puppy might need. So it is strictly from the heart and something that somebody wants to do. And I really love doing it because I like and love dogs and love working with them. So for me, yes, it is a volunteer uh, position, but it's something I love to do. So to me, it doesn't take any time at all. And the dogs are with you so much of the time. Like my dogs come to work with me and go to the grocery store with me and and um, go to church with us. That the training time for me is during that time when they're with you. And I don't do have to do a lot of individual training time where I take some time out from my own personal day to to train them uh, with some of the more difficult commands that they aren't getting. Of course, I do that so that they know the command, but it's just such a nice experience and the, the people that you see and the people that you meet are so nice that it's just been a wonderful experience for us. Yeah, well, I know you just do an amazing job with the puppies that you raise. And, and I love seeing your puppy laying under your desk at Craig Hospital where you work, which is so cool because you bring your dog to work with you almost every day. Yes, I do bring them with me almost every day. And the patients and the staff love the dogs. And um, when they're little, of course, they, the patients here have spinal cord injuries and some of them, um, you know, are paralyzed from the neck down and, and they love to have the puppies kissing their face and feeling that and, uh, and being laying, you know, have the puppies laying right next to their face and feeling their soft fur and it, it's just been really heartwarming for me and, and to see patients smile that maybe don't have a lot to, to want to live for at the present time but they just have just been wonderful with the dogs and the dogs love the patients and they remember the patients they visited. 
Well, and it's so cool because it also educates the patients about the possibilities for accessibility and hope for their futures that they could get a service dog and have more independence. So it's just a win-win all the way around. It really is. And Canine Companions gets a lot of exposure, which is nice. And I also provide information to the patients and other service dog agencies as well so they can look and, and really research the service dog agencies that are around the country. Well, that's so awesome. And we're talking today with Jenny Exley, and we're going to be right back after just a couple of quick messages from our sponsors. So please come back and join us as we keep talking about her experiences as a puppy raiser. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. (laughs) 
welcome back. We're talking today with Jenny Exley from Canine Companions for Independence, who is a puppy raiser and sharing all kinds of great practical information with us. So um, let's let's keep talking with Jenny. So Jenny, we've been talking a lot about um, your experiences as a puppy raiser and the, the different lessons that you've learned. But one of the things that I have to ask is how in the world can you turn your puppy in after 18 months? Turning a puppy in that you've raised in your household from eight weeks of age to about, it's actually about 16 to 18 months, um, is very um, hard. But I also, um, at the time I'm turning the puppy in, I think about how great this puppy could be as a service dog for somebody or a companion dog for a child with a disability or a hearing dog for somebody that's deaf and what a joy it was to raise the puppy. Um, The puppy raisers do cry. I've cried. The first puppy I turned in, I thought, okay, I'm going to go in with a puppy raiser that has been around for a while. I think she was on her eighth dog that she had raised. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go in with Susan and she's going to handle this just great. So I walk in, we turn in our dogs together and I think she was crying harder than I was. So that wasn't a very good thing. But, you know, I I found that when I turn them in, I I try and say my goodbyes the day before and wish them luck and then go to the uh, turn-in room and turn them in as quickly as possible and not linger because that's harder for me if I linger. But I try to pick the, or picture the, the bigger picture and, and, say, okay, this dog's going to do well, it's going to help somebody have a more independent lifestyle, and that's why I'm doing this, and that's why I'm volunteering. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just so thankful that people like you can do it, so that people like me can have the independence that you know it it gives, because I can't imagine how difficult it must be to spend all that time and put all that effort into making that such a great little creature, and then handing it over, the trust that you must have to hand it over over to someone else to complete that process. Right, and we do get, um, when, once we turn the puppies in, we do get advanced training reports from the tra- trainer that's working with your dog. So um, every month we get a report back on the dogs that are in advanced training that we've raised, and they tell us what commands they're working on and how the, how the dog is doing. So, and just the other day, actually, just this past Saturday, the, the third dog I raised, Falzone, who is in advanced training right now, I just got a letter from him. He's learned how to write in advanced training. <laughs> and he actually sent a picture of, of, of him. He sent a picture of him and his trainer. And so that was very nice to you to be able to see a picture of him and, and know that he's doing well. So it's kind of a two-sided thing. When we actually have the puppies, we actually send a monthly report to the, um, to the Southwest facility at Oceanside because our dogs in Colorado are part of the Southwest facility training system. And so we send monthly reports in about how the puppy is doing and any problems we're encountering with raising them. And then in turn, when we turn the puppies in, they get to send reports to us. So it's, it's a full you know, full uh, report system, and it's very nice to know that uh, that we'll be getting those reports after you turn the puppy, and it gives you a little more hope that okay, we're going to still stay in correspondence with him. That's awesome. And so, what happens if a puppy doesn't make it all the way to get assigned with the person with the disability? What happens then? If they do uh, make it through advanced training, then there is a pool of people of, that have applied to get service dogs, and um, they are called in 
for a two-week team training. It's a very intensive two-week tra- team training. The, there are five actually different facilities, training facilities in the United States, um, uh, Santa Rosa, California, Oceanside, California, Delaware, Ohio, Medford, New York, and Orlando, Florida, and they divided the country up into these five different regions. So depending on where you live, you would go to one of these regions for your team training for two weeks because, as I said before, the dogs already know 31 commands that we've trained them, and then they get to know another about 20 commands for their advanced training. So people have to be able to learn the commands, and the trainers will make sure the dogs are working for them and the people know how to give the commands to the dogs so that the dogs can serve them and be, and the person become more can, can, can become more independent when the dog does um, do a command for them. So it's a very extensive two-week team training at, followed by a graduation ceremony where the puppy raisers are invited to come back and actually see the puppy they've raised and meet the person that the, that the dog will serve. And there's a whole ceremony where we get to walk the dog up and present it to the person that's getting the dog. So it's a very, um, very fulfilling time when you have a dog that actually graduates. Yeah, that's another tearjerker time. It is. There's boxes of Kleenexes in every row. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens if a puppy that you raise goes to the training facility and is working with the trainer and they think that that puppy is not going to make it all the way to be placed with the person with the disability? How does that work? What happens to the puppy and what is your role as the puppy raiser? Okay, when we bring a dog back, the very first two or three weeks, the trainers perform medical evaluations, and they also do temperament testing, and that's actually the first round of of a dog being released. If they have any medical issues, they're released. And then all along the whole way of advanced training, dogs could be released for a number of different reasons. Um, The puppy raisers that raise the dogs get the first right, so if if the dog is not going to make it through the team training has decided it doesn't want to be a service dog, Uh, the puppy raisers are contacted to see if they would like the dog back as a pet. Um, The first dog that we have, uh, that we raised is back as a pet as well as the second one that we raised. So we have two release dogs that we really raised that are back as pets and they are actually both pet therapy dogs here at Craig Hospital now and they love that more than being service dogs. And then if the puppy raisers don't want them back, they can find a friend or a family member that might want them. and Or they could also just release the dog to Canine Companions for Independence. And Canine Companions for Independence has a list of people that want released dogs. And um, I'm not, the, the lists are separate for each um, training facility, and people can contact CCI to be put on a list if they'd like to have a released CCI dog. Oh, that's great. So then you definitely still have input into what's happening with the dog that you raised, which that's awesome. They can either come back to your home or you can be a part of of where they're placed. So I think that's a big relief for people. Yeah, that's very respectful to both you and to the dog that you raised, which is really nice. So what would you say is one of the greatest lessons that you've learned as being a puppy raiser? I think I've become more patient. As this process has gone by, I've also learned that I can still learn with each puppy. I seem to learn something new. Um, And I've also learned as a 
previous just pet owner, I never really knew the different personalities of the dogs, but I think I'm more in tune to all of my dogs' personalities and what they like and what they dislike. For instance, my current puppy, Nettie, is seven and a half months old that I'm raising for Canine Companions, and she kind of is a whiner, and I thought, oh, she's just a whiny dog. But in retrospect, after I've um, heard her whine, she either wants food or she wants water or she wants to be brought outside. So she's that's her way of communicating with me, and I, I think that it's just helped me to get more in tune with what my dogs are wanting and, and needing at, at a certain time and um, knowing when they they need extra help on a command. So that's it's kind of been very um, fulfilling in that way that I can learn more about dogs. I have to agree with you. You know, Whistle does that. When he really wants something, when I, I'm not paying attention to him or I'm not giving him what exactly he wants, he does a little bit of that whining, which gets my attention and lets me know, no, I need to stop and respond to him right now, which I think is really cool how the dogs communicate. That's such a great point that they are all so individual. It's just it's just amazing to me what what while the dogs do and and something funny I really wanted to tell you about too was our first dog Peggy was kind of a talker whenever she was laying down and stretched she always made this groaning sound and um, she did it in the most inopportune times one time we had a guest pastor at our church and this pastor sermon got to be a little bit lengthy and the pastor said and just one more thing and Peggy made her groan sound and I think the whole congregation broke out laughing but it was good because the pastor ended his sermon quickly then (laughs) (laughs) that's so great (laughs) embarrassing for me though (laughs) (laughs) but she got his attention (laughs) oh that's great and so I know Jenny you and I have talked so much about the need for puppy raisers for canine companions for independence and for other organizations throughout the country so there aren't enough puppy raisers out there are there there, there needs to be more puppy raisers, and if people are interested in puppy raising for um, canine companions, they can call uh, 1-800-2-2275 or go on to their website, which is www.cci.org and learn all about this agency. One of the reasons I did uh, choose to raise for them is because they are a nonprofit. So these dogs go to people for free, and CCI um, relies on fundraising and personal donations and uh, things for these uh, this organization to exist. They don't have any government funding. So um, you can also, if you aren't interested in raising, you can also donate to the cause. So it, I found it a very worthwhile organization so far, and that's why I chose one of the reasons I chose to raise for them as well. Yeah, CCI is an amazing organization. And one of the great things that we really want to tell our listeners is you can pretty much live anywhere in the country and be a puppy raiser. Isn't that right, Jenny? That's correct. You can live anywhere in the United States to be a puppy raiser. Um, the, all the puppies are actually um, bred in Northern California. They're mixes of golden retrievers or Labrador retrievers, and or they could be purebreds, um, and they just place them all around the country and then when you turn in a dog you turn in uh, to one of your regional uh, training facilities which would be um, one of the five regions in the United States so it's real easy to become a puppy raiser it's real easy to get a dog if you're wanting an assistance dog because they service the, uh, the entire United States. 
Yeah, that is so wonderful because I always have people ask me if they don't think they can become a puppy raiser because they don't live in a metropolitan state, in a metropolitan city, or in a state where there's one of those regional training centers. But that's okay. You can still be a puppy raiser. That's okay, right. And and you mentioned that there's a contract trainer that works with you and other puppy raisers in Denver. But if you live in a community that doesn't have that, what do people do for the classes and, and the different activities that they need to participate in? We do actually do have some puppy raisers in Colorado that live up in the mountains. And so, of course, they don't come down to Denver for their contract training lessons, but um, they actually are responsible then for finding a trainer to help them train the dog either through a local pet store. Um, some of our puppy raisers, of course, have raised several dogs, so they already know the, the timing of the of the commands and when to teach them that's age appropriate for the puppy, but they do expect you to attend some training courses because it gets the dog used to other dogs and working with other dogs around them and not being distracted by other dogs. Yeah, that's great. And one of the things that I love about CCI is that they do have such a network throughout the country, and they do seem so supportive of their puppy raisers. There, there is um, a network. Um, well, first of all, your local network of people that are puppy raising in Colorado. We have about, I think, about sixty puppy raisers right now. Some of those puppies are being raised at um, Kit Carson Correctional um, Center, which is a prison in Burlington, Colorado. There are many prison programs where the prisoners are raising puppies, and um, they're doing a phenomenal job over there. They have a very high graduation rate with those dogs, and and then of course your local network. And so. We we often actually exchange dogs and take turns watching somebody else's dogs because we can see some things in dogs that the person that's had them around for, you know, weeks and months can't really see. And so, and, and also getting them into a new home is kind of interesting too to see how they act with somebody else in a new home and it gets them used to the transitions that the dog is going to have to make in their life. Oh, that's so great. Well, if someone was thinking about becoming a puppy raiser, Jenny, what, what, what advice would you give to them? I would say um, look at the service dog agencies in your in your local area. CCI, of course, is, is nationwide. But really do some research on the service dog agencies uh, and what fits your your um, your lifestyle. Um, CCI currently, at least the Southwest region, does not allow service dogs to be brought in um, to public schools, like, like such as elementary, middle, and high schools. For as far as puppy raisers, there's some actually raisers that work in the school system, which is fine. Um, my my daughter is in college now, so she can take our dog to college classes with her. But some regions do allow them to go into into um, middle schools and high schools. So really uh, look at the different programs, what they're going to allow you to do with the dog, where you can take the dog. Um, if you believe in the organization, that's a big one too. Well, that's great advice. And I could talk to you about this all day because I love learning about raising service dogs and especially from a puppy raiser perspective. So thank you so much for being our guest today. We really appreciate you sharing your insights. And please, you have to promise and come back and, and let us know about Exley. Yes, I'm really getting to be excited about getting him tomorrow and meeting my namesake. I'm going to be co-raising him with another person because I already have Nettie at home, so I'll get to see him sporadically, and my co-raiser will probably have him more than me, but that's fine because she's local and I can see him anytime. <laughs> that's so great. Well, I'm so thrilled because I'm going to be back in your area in the next few weeks, and I can't wait to meet Exley and, and get to see this new puppy and also the puppy that you're raising right now. 
Right, you haven't seen Nettie yet. She's a real cutie. She's three quarters golden retriever and a quarter lab. Looks more lab, but has a golden retriever personality. <laughs> well, great. Well, you'll have to promise to send us some pictures that we can actually post on our website for our listeners so that they can see your dogs as well. And I know you sent me a picture of Exley as a puppy, so we'll make sure and get that up on the Working Like Dogs website at PetLifeRadio.com and also the website for any of our listeners who's interested in contacting Canine Companions for Independence, we will have their website listed as well, which is cci.org. So thank you so much to all of our listeners for being with us today and for our sponsors and producers for supporting Working Like Dogs. Thank you so much. And if you have any comments or any feedback for us, please feel free to email me. The email is marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And I also invite our listeners to check out our new blog, which is at WorkingLikeDogs.com. So thanks so much, and come back and join us soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.